Luke chapter 24. Good morning online. We're going to start right now. Good morning, everyone watching. Luke chapter 24. And then I'd like to just um, uh, sort of dovetail that with you uh, with what happens in the very first verses of the book of Acts. We call it Ascension Weekend. I know it's more like 40 days out from the resurrection, but we can't wait. We can't wait. We're just like, pumped and excited for those who got saved, those that are wanting to respond obediently in baptism. That's what this pool is all about, and it is heated. Been heating it up all night. Because ascension really frames the entire ministry in the sense that the resurrection that we've just celebrated, the resurrection's only half the package. As great as the resurrection is, have you ever thought about this? It's really only half the package. Because coming back to life, I mean, as awesome as that is, as amazing as that is, as incredible as that is, as miraculous as that is, I mean, the resurrection really proves that all that Jesus claimed to be is proven in the resurrection. But the resurrection is only half the package. Don't you kind of think, I mean, I, I sort of think this way sometimes. Do you think Lazarus was just a little bit bummed? Like, Lazarus is like, really? I, I got to go back? Like, coming back to life again, as cool as it is to have a freshman in high school declaring her faith and leading us in worship, I mean, as awesome as that is, and it is, thank you again, Morgan, how many want to go back and repeat high school? Yeah. See, the resurrection, not that it's a reincarnation thing. I'm just saying the resurrection is only a half the package. In addition to being brought back to life, the ascension assures you of eternal life. Not just back to life, because back to life here would be a bit of a bummer. I think Lazarus was a little bit bummed. He's like, really? Really? Only to die again? Really? No. But this ascension now, and my question for you this morning, if you've ever like really thought it through, and we can just for a few moments, I, I won't go long. I mean, we got, we got, I think, just believing in faith, we got some people to get dunked. We did last night. It was absolutely beautiful service last night. We had, we had a 77-year-old gentleman last night who recently had heart surgery, and in the heart surgery, is this boring? Are you good? Because I'll get to Luke. I, I'll, I'll get, I promise. But in the heart surgery, he had a dream. And in the dream, he saw millions of people coming to Christ, and he was not one of them. And that dream, more than the heart surgery woke his heart up, and he got baptized last night. And um, I just am just over the moon, thrilled for that guy, excited, uh, along with kids and parents and marriages, and maybe you were baptized um, as an infant. You have absolutely no recollection of it whatsoever. It really wasn't your choice. It was someone else's choice for you, and it's time for you to make it your choice. Uh, I remember doing a baptism years ago down at La Jolla Shores. 
I was a youth pastor at the time, and we, we just had a slew of kids there. We did sort of a Galilean breakfast on the shores, and parents were dropping their kids off, and one of the dads stayed to watch, and he's like in a three-piece suit and sees these kids just surrendering their life and publicly proclaiming their faith and love for Jesus. And in the three-piece suit, I don't even remember him taking his jacket off, he came out and got baptized. I remember Bonnie, my wife, we were at Mission Bay, and I thought she was just there on the shore cheering her husband on, but she was actually waiting in line to be baptized. had been baptized Lutheran as an infant, but was ready, and I got to, what an honor, a privilege, I got to baptize Bonnie, and everyone cheered, and then we made out, and everyone <laughs> was like, what's that church, right? It was incredible. I, I remember, like, right over here, that, that house right there, was, uh, amazing neighbors when they built that house. Good morning, Dave Crawford. Everyone should hug the security guard on the way out. I just socially distanced or something. This guy's amazing, so faithful. Hi, Dave. But this house back here, I think it used to be the thrifty rental car family. And uh, we did, I don't think we had quite figured out that we could have our own pool at the time. So we would have church, and then we would all cross the street. And this 87-year-old lady um, sat down on the ledge of the thrifty rental car pool and said, Pastor Bob, it's my time to be baptized. And um, obviously was a little nervous about getting her in the water and doing the dunkarama and everything, so we just kind of reverted back to the old style and, and uh, got in the water and just leaned her down the best we could and baptized her in the name of the Father and the Son. And I remember being in the intensive care unit at Scripps this guy's all hooked up to wires and was like on his last breath, and I got the call, and he said, Bob, before I leave this earth, I just know that I've got to make things right with the Lord. Can you come and, and I don't know, sneak in like a plastic jug or something into ICU, and that cord that was next to the pool kind of rem and just like doing our best with the cords that he was hooked up with, we baptized him in the ICU. And um, I'm just thrilled that you're here today. And I, I just pray the Lord would move on your heart if you've never made that public declaration and commitment to the Lord. I think I told you recently about this couple from Cabo. They commute from Cabo to go to church here. They got saved here and asked me to baptize them, and I, I think we've done our best to eliminate all of the obstacles for you to be here today, whether in a three-piece suit or whether in your swim trunks. We, we have towels. Look at the towels. We have shirts. We have uh, hefty trash can liners so that the leather interior in your car doesn't get wet on the way out, and don't hug the security guard on the way out. He'd be very nervous and mad at me that I even said that. But um, I think we've eliminated all, all of the excuses whatsoever and possible for you to just enter in. And uh, the Lord's about to come back. 
And don't, don't be so stubborn or so prideful. I remember one gal, and she just resisted every time we did it because she thought that she was less attractive when her hair was wet. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> Held her under for like 20 minutes, I did. <laughs> so, this, this needs to just... No, I didn't. I didn't. <clears throat> what do you gain from his ascension? What does he mean when he says, it's better for you that I go? How does that work? Because it's not just a resurrected life. It's not just a do-over. It's eternal life. You were forgiven because of Good Friday. You have resurrection power because of Easter and the promise of living forever and eternally because of the ascension. Luke chapter 24. Let's back it up with Scripture and find out exactly what Jesus says. He appears to his disciples in verse 36 and says to them as he stood in their midst, Peace to you. But they were frightened. They were freaking out. They were terrified. And they supposed that he was a spirit, my translation says. Wrong word. They thought he was a ghost. They were terrified. He said to them, Why are you troubled? Why are you... Why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands. Look at my hands. Look, check out my hands. Look at my feet. Remember we did this sevenfold, perfect, complete sacrifice that Jesus provided on the cross. Sevenfold, his hands, his feet, his head, his back, his side. He's like, check out. Look at the scars. Look at my feet. Look at my hands. Handle me. Touch me. See? For a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they did still not believe for joy. There's a difference there. There's a difference. You could, like, believe. Like, intellectually, you think you've got it sort of straight in your head. But you're not believing for joy. It's not like all over you. When you go to Trader Joe's, I mean, if it is, you really stand out in that place. Are you believing for joy? It's like they still didn't believe for joy. Like just, just all in is what I want to say. Just all in. He's like, why aren't you all in? Why aren't you believing for joy and marveling? He said to them. He said to them. Okay, let's just take it even further. He said to them, "What do you say? What do you say? You got any food? Why? Why?" Is he hungry? He's not hungry. He's resurrected, man. He's glorified. No. No, he's still trying to prove his point. He's like, got any food? And they said, well, yeah, we got a piece of broiled fish, some honeycomb. And he took it and he ate it in their presence. Why? Why? Because ghosts don't eat. He's like, look at my hands. Look at my feet. Look, I'm, I'm actually digesting some of your, some of your food. And they... And they Just astonished. He said, all of these words I spoke to you while I was still here with you, that all the things must be fulfilled which were, which were written by, by Moses in the law and the prophets and the Psalms, all concerning me. It's not religion. 
It's a relationship. He wants a relationship with you. And that starts with, it starts with, it starts with baptism. He's commanded us to do this. Repent and be baptized. Stand out. Believe for joy. And he opened. I pray that verse 45 is just happening right now across the airways, online, in your living room, in your living room, watching at home. Here in the courtyard, listen, if you're watching at home, if we were celebrating communion, we'd be like this. We'd be like, get the elements. We want you to participate with us, okay? So now we're doing baptisms. So draw the pool, you know, get the bath going. Or get over here for the 11 o'clock. I, I pray this is happening right now in the courtyard, o- over, the, over the airways. Look what it says. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. You need that. A lot of you write to me and you say, I need that, Bob. I open this book and I try to get it. I try to understand it. I don't get it at all. I need your help. I need you to explain it. That's exactly what's happening to the Ethiopian eunuch as he's riding through town in his chariot. And Philip comes along and says, are you understanding what you're reading? And he's like, not a chance. Explain it to me. And Philip jumps in the Uber ride and begins to explain that it is all pointing to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And the guy gets baptized. The guy gets baptized. Elijah, the prophet of God, sends Naaman, the captain of the Syrian army, over to the Jordan River to be baptized. Go over there and dunk seven times in the Jordan, and all of your leprosy will be taken away. He opened their understanding that they might comprehend. He was taking them, this is what it's all about, to a deeper level. Your clothes will dry out. Your shoes will be fine. Follow him at a deeper level. Come to a greater comprehension and full understanding of what he's all about and, 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 and attempting with, with, with all he's got to accomplish in your heart and in your life. That it wouldn't be about Apple and Facebook and it wouldn't be about Instagram and it wouldn't be about TikTok. It'd be about Jesus. We would be all in and believing for joy and, and standing out. I'll tell you what. When Jason is serving the pizza afterwards, when we're all kind of walking back out to the parking lot, it'll be clear who was baptized and who was not. They will stand out. We're to stand out. Don't let the sinners be more proud in what they're believing for than what you're believing for. He said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and the repentance and the remission of sins should be preached in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem, to all the nations, all the nations, like to the uttermost parts on the planet. If you look at a Jerusalem map, you know, there's Jerusalem, and then Judea, and then Samaria, and then the uttermost part. You know what the uttermost part is from Jerusalem? San Diego. We are the uttermost parts. We are, and he's like thinking of us. That it would be preached here as it was there in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise. 
Here's a clue of what you get from the ascension. Here's a clue. Look at verse 49. I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. He lifted up his hands. Look at, look at, he lifted up his hands. And he's like, he's like doing exactly what we do when it's a baby dedication. Maybe you're here and you're like, why do we do this? Why do we all stand and we like, because he did it. Look what he does. Look, he lifted up his hand and he blessed them. And it came to pass that while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy with great believing joy and they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God amen look at Acts look at Acts this just spills right over into Acts chapter 1 this same thought just just continues on look at verse 4 and being assembled together verse 4 Acts chapter 1 he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the father which he said you have heard from me for John here's where baptism sort of falls into this whole thing. Look at verse 5. For John truly baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he's, he's like this. He's like, it's not for you to know. It's not for you to know the time or the seasons which the Father has put under his own authority, but you'll receive power. Is the clue is what you get out of the ascension power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses, my witnesses, witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth, right? It's who we're to be. It's what we're called to be. You're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. Asked and answered. Be his witnesses. And when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they're looking steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Right? Angels. Yeah? You with me? You track it? Doesn't say angels. I'm guessing angels. Doesn't say anything about wings. I don't think they needed wings. And I don't think they're fat or short. They're like standing way above the fence, not fat, ripped. Studs. Men of Galilee. Look what they say. Why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner. This is what you get out of the ascension. Will so come in like manner as you saw him go up to heaven. Love the thought. I, I know, I know, I know. Here's my title. Be right back. I'm like, be right back? Well, it's like thousands of years. I know, I know, but Peter says... A thousand years, right, Stu? What? A thousand years is, is a day, and a day is as a thousand years. How many days since he ascended? What happened on the third day? Oh, man. Oh, man, it's just like, I know, no one knows the day or the hour, but you can, like, just begin to just sort of, like, see how it's all just unfolding. The pieces falling into place. That as it was just three days between his crucifixion and his resurrection, which must have seemed like 
thousands and thousands and thousands of years from heaven's perspective, just three days down here. And for us down here now, since his ascension, thousands and thousands, but from heaven's perspective, the economy and matrix of heaven itself has only been two days. We're living in the third day. We are living in the seconds and the minutes and moments of the third day, which means his, his return could be happening at any moment. Just, just like hold that thought. Here's my title. I'll be right back. Because baptism is a picture of all of this. It is, it is the equivalent of the picture of resurrection. The resurrection, which, which, which here in the, in the pool is sort of you symbolically dying to yourself, it's going under the water just for a few seconds, just, just like a second. But it's symbolic. It's hugely significant that you're dying to yourself. And then in the resurrection, the resurrection power, you are rising again. Because the resurrection proves that all of his claims have been proven in this act that he conquered death on our behalf. And you, through baptism, here's what you're doing. Listen, you are staking your life on his claims. So here's what you gain. I think I have four, real fast, just four things that we gain from the ascension. First of all, you gain the promise of the Holy Spirit. You're not going through this life. By limbo, by random, by chance, but by the power and presence of the promise of the Holy Spirit, you get that because of the ascension. That's what he means when he says, it's better for you that I go. Why is it better for you that he goes? Because when he was in Galilee, he couldn't be in Jerusalem, right? Right? And when he was in Bethany, in his earthly ministry when he was in Bethany, he wasn't in Jerusalem. He wasn't in, now he can be everywhere all the time with all of us. That we get out of this the presence and power, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, secondly, what's number two, you guys? You get the promise of intercession. What's he doing right now? What's he doing? He is interceding that every time the accuser of the brethren, and this is what Satan lives for, just to accuse, to accuse, to accuse, to accuse. You're not really loved. You're not really worth. This doesn't apply to you. Just like, no, 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 no. Every time Satan starts with that crap, you have an intercessor. You have an intercessor. You have an advocate. You have a defense attorney. It's really good. Who stands on your behalf before the judge and says, this has already been covered. This has been taken care of. You have someone interceding. Thirdly, look at this. From the ascension, you have the promise of a place being prepared. Jesus says, I go. If I go... I go to prepare a place for you. Now, all that we enjoy here on earth, he prepared in six days and then rested on the seventh. But now for where heaven is concerned, what he's been preparing, he's been preparing for thousands of years. He's preparing a place for you. He is filling you with the promise of the presence of his Holy Spirit. He is your advocate interceding for you. In fact, the book of Romans tells us that when we don't even know what to pray, he prays in our stead. He prays for us. And then fourthly, you know what you get out of the ascension? You gain the promise of his return. He's not going to leave you here orphaned. He's not going to leave you out. He's like this. He's like, I'll be 
right back. Are you ready for that? Because that guy with heart surgery at 77 in his dream knew he wasn't ready. Be ready today. Be believing for joy. Be all in. Be public about it. Be in love. This thought, this, this first usage thought of the idea of I'll be right back, you know what shows up? It actually shows up in the same story where love first shows up. Where does love first show up in the Bible? Where's love first show up? Is it Adam and Eve? No, it doesn't ever say Adam loved Eve and Eve loved Adam. It doesn't say that. The first time love shows up isn't between a man and a woman. Nor, just for the record, is it between a man and a man. Or a woman and a woman. It's between a father and a son. The first time love shows up, isn't that appropriate? Greater love has no man than this, that he would lay his life down. Here's what the father says. For God, the father, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This, this love relationship is first seen in Scripture between the love that a father has for his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, that's not the first usage of it, but the story in Genesis that exemplifies it is John 3.16 in living color. It's when God comes to Abraham and says, take your son, the one whom you love, and take him up to that mountain. Not any mountain, not some random by chance mountain, to Mount Moriah. Take him to Mount Moriah. The significance of this, oh my goodness. Where Jesus is going to ultimately someday lay down his life. Take him to that mountain and sacrifice him to me. The son that you love. And so off they go together on this hike. And here's Isaac. Can you picture this? Isaac, I think he's full grown. He's not like six. He is strong enough to push back if he wanted to. He's fully grown and he's carrying the wood. So he's like... He's like, Dad, look at the significance of this. He's got the wood for the sacrifice on his back as Jesus did carrying his cross through the streets of the Via Della Rosa. Dad, I got the wood on my back. Where, where's, where's the sacrifice? Oh, son, God, God will provide. That's what he says. Genesis 22. God will provide and then he says this. Do you know this story? He says this to the servants. He's got his hired help with him. He's got some of his security guards. He's a very wealthy guy, this Abraham guy. He's got, like, never travels alone. He's got this whole motorcade with him. Says to the motorcade, says to all the hired help, says in the next verse, what's he say? We'll be right back. Plural. Me and the son, going to be right back. That's faith. That's living out a faith and believing for joy. Be right back. Goes up onto that mountain, straps his son down on the altar. Pulls out the knife. Knife is drawn. And, and what's the next thing that's said? What's it said? Doesn't say, doesn't say no. It, sa it actually says Abraham calls him by his name. It's very personal, this whole story is. It says, Abraham, your faith has been proven. And God will now provide a sacrifice in the place 
of you needing to sacrifice your own son. And over in the distance, caught in the thistle, he notices a ram. Very specific about this story. You know what it says? It says the ram was caught in the thicket by its horns. Ever seen that? So you just picture the symbolism of this, a son that's weighted down with the wood of the sacrifice, saying, Dad, I got the wood. Hey, son, God will provide a sacrifice. And in the 11th hour, at the last minute, Abraham put the knife away. Look over in the distance. We have a ram caught in the thicket, caught in the thicket by the horns on his head, and you could not pull that ram out of his stuckness without in pulling him out having on top of that ram a crown of thorns. The love being displayed. That's love. That's, that's the guiding thought then and theme throughout all of the pages of this love story. And I'm telling you this morning, it's, 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 what, it's what baptism represents. It's not a religious exercise. It's, it's, it's an expression of love. The love that God has for you, what he has done for you in sending his son to take your place who wore the crown of thorns that carried the wood of the sacrifice. It is an expression of his love for you and it's simply now your response of realizing this, you were loved first. And our opportunity now is just to love him back. This is your expression of love, to follow him in baptism. Jesus, by the way, gets baptized. In Matthew chapter 3, Jesus comes to his cousin John who baptizes him. And as he baptizes him, there is this audible voice from heaven. This voice that says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Don't overlook that. Don't overlook the significance of that. This is my, what? Beloved Son. Because the next thing that happens, as soon as the baptism is over, the very next thing that happens in the Gospel of Matthew is Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days. And you're like, yeah, what is that about? Here's what it's about. It's about Satan then tempting Jesus and saying to him over and over and over again. You know what he says to him? He says this. He questions him. He says, if you're really... Now, he leaves out a word. He leaves out a word that God had spoken over his son in his submissive obedience and act of love in being baptized. What does Satan leave out? Satan says to him in the wilderness, if you are the son of God, just wanting to cloud him up with doubt, sort of get him to question his identity, which is exactly the same modus operandi that he pulls on me pretty much on a daily basis. You too? He wants me to forget that I'm loved. Satan doesn't say, if you are the beloved son of God, he leaves that word out. And Satan would love for you also to leave that word out and beginning to doubt God's love for you. 
that this really isn't as special or as significant as Pastor Bob seems to be doing his best to try and convince us of. See, that's demonic strategies of trying to convince us to overlook or forget the fact that we are his beloved. This is simply the greatest, I think the greatest, as a follower of Jesus Christ, no greater and faithful step can be found here on earth than you following the Lord obediently in baptism. It's you knowing you're loved and deciding publicly you're going to love him back no matter what anybody says. It's how John referred to himself. John called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. It would have been quite a different deal, don't you think? It would have been quite a different deal if that's how all the other disciples talked about it. Oh, John. John's the one Jesus loves. It's not what the other disciples call John. It's what John calls John. Because John is certain of who he is. Peter's not, and ends up actually denying that he's ever met Jesus. Oh, he's like proud as a peacock at the Last Supper. He's like, no way, man, you're not doing this. I will die for you. Uh, yeah, actually, Pete, you're going to deny that you ever knew me. It's got to be more than just lip service. It's got to be a life of service that John understood because John, the disciple who knew that Jesus loved him, is right there at the cross. In fact, it's John who has given this amazing perspective and insight. I mean, so clear and so real that he writes a book about it. The book of Revelation, he is given this vision of what's to come, of a Savior that is saying to San Diego this morning, I will be right back. And John's like, oh, guys, you wouldn't even believe what's up here, what's waiting, right? In Revelation chapter 4, what's it say? It says, John, John, you, the disciple who knows how much he is loved. Come up here. John, come up here. And John just gets caught up in this, in this visual experience of having then the ability to write to us this, this very last book of the Bible and remind us that in the end it is all well, it is all good, it is all fine, and Jesus wins. And it's you and I in the meantime seeing this pool as the beginning of those 22 chapters of the book of Revelation being lived out and lived for in all that we've got in our days here on earth. Maybe what is happening right now is you're hearing exactly what John heard. Not from me. Forget about me. Maybe you're hearing what John heard. You know what you're hearing? Come up here. Come up here. Come up here and just make it this real and this significant and this outstanding and this powerful. 
Because I believe Jesus is calling. He's calling right now those who would hear his voice. He's saying, choose life. I'm the life. Come up here. I just want to say this. I just want to say, as, as it says to John, the disciple whom Jesus stopped Stop doubting that love. Stop questioning that love. Be confident and assured as John is of that love. And be found on his team. Be found in his family. Be saved. Be washed. Be found. Be counted. Be loved. Be baptized. What a significant moment this would be in your life and journey of faith in putting feet to it and saying on the outside publicly for all to see what Jesus has done for you on the inside. And so, Lord, we pray. We pray your blessing and anointing on this church, on this service, on those that are watching online, those that would archive this message later. Lord, time is short. And your word to us, affirmed by the angels, you'll be right back. What a master's weekend that would be, Lord Jesus. got a call from a dad and his son who said, Bob, can you meet us at Moonlight? I know you probably won't have the pool set up at the church for a while because of COVID, but we just can't wait. Would you meet us at Moonlight and baptize us this evening? And off I went, and there we met, and out into the ocean... We journeyed together, and the love being displayed between that dad and his son, and that son and his dad was so evident, was so clear, was so powerful that people on the beach were just looking for a chance to get out of the house, were watching and applauding the events that were unfolding out in the water. One lady came up to us as we were on our way in and said, I've always wanted to do that. Are you baptizing? I said, we are in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And she said, well, I think it's my day too to go all in and commit my life publicly to the Lord Jesus Christ. Back out into the water we went. She and her friend followed us out and got baptized, to which then the entire primarily pagan beach of moonlight erupted in applause. This church will do the same as you come up and publicly profess your love and give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, to the youngest that can understand what this is all about, to the most seasoned and elderly among us. I pray that your spirit would move even as Willie sings. 
and we would join in the celebration that is erupting already in heaven for those that are making such a public stand and life commitment to making Jesus Christ the center and reason and meaning and purpose of all that they find themselves living for. If anything, for whatever reason, has crowded out your love for him, it's time to push that pile back and put him first. And I pray that as you do, you would hear his voice over your life saying, this is my beloved child, my son and my daughter, in whom I am well pleased. Can we stand? And if you feel led to be baptized, we're going to queue up right here off to my left, your right. Towels available. Pastors will be in the pool. Let's sing and celebrate together what the Lord is about to do in this place. Come on, church.